Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing the high-level overview of sales, cost of goods sold, and margin, and how each functional area plays a role in supporting these key financial buckets. So, with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Hey, Les. Welcome How's it going, back. Sean? How are you doing? All right. And uh, everybody listening, welcome back to another edition of Man vs. Business. So today, I'm starting things off. Les handed me the baton. And, uh, we're gonna I did. Talk about, we're going to talk about the financial side. And, and I shouldn't really say financial side. I don't want to lose everybody right away. But but the part of the balance scorecard that talks about the, the finances um, – Costs and, and revenue and things like that, and how that how that is the outcome of these process descriptions and these uh, departmental talks that we've been having up until now feed into that that kind of component, and it's very high level. Less we'll, we'll just we'll just go high level because some some vocabulary is different across different industries and sure. throughout throughout different countries, and, and uh, so we'll just give a basic discussion of it. I don't want to even say it's like an overview, but a discussion. And then in future, a future discussion, we'll have uh, more, you know, metrics. That, you know, we talked about financial metrics in, in our metrics discussion, but... Hence why I handed over the baton to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so... Yeah, the, I'll put my MBA in finance to, to some good at some point. I'm there you sure. go. So we're going to be, we're going to be covering the, the sales aspects, the cost of goods sold, and margin are the three areas I think you were mentioning that we should we should tap into, and and how uh, each of those areas play into the functional processes that we've we've talked about uh, throughout the past past few months. So why don't we go ahead and start with the sales one? Yeah. So sales, you know, and, and different organizations call that line on a on an income statement. Um, you know, different different topics. They call it sales. They call it revenue. And and what I like to talk about, or, or even bookings. You know, those three those three names are kind of um, used interchangeably, but they have very different meanings. Okay. Um, sales and bookings. I, you know, I think those, those those two are the closest together. Right. Um, where where you know your sales team your sales team generates a sale generates a a booking, which means that a customer is willing to pay you for a product that you're going to deliver. Okay, so so let me interrupt here in that making sure that I'm clear as we step through this, I've always thought of uh, sales as what you have sold at the moment, moment, or I've heard it said that it's what you've actually shipped out. Is there a difference between those two? Well, what you, what you shipped out should generate the revenue for you. So that's the other, okay. that's the other word. So re- revenue is more of the financial term, um, but you know, in a, you look in any annual report or a quarterly report, a public company they they might have you know revenue as the top line. Okay, revenue revenue is is the money that you've you've generated and the gross money that you've you've generated after providing value in either an engineering process or taking purchase components, which would be in the cost of goods, taking those components. Change them and then and then sold them by adding a margin to them. Okay, so is there a difference between sales and and bookings then, or are they truly synonymous with each other? 
I think they're 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 pretty close to being the same thing, sales and bookings. Okay. Now the only the only other twist that you know we can get into you know the more detail side is is net sales because in some industries you would have sales, which means you know I've sold whatever ten million dollars worth of goods, but there is a one percent return rate. So net sales would be would be the ten million dollars minus that one percent okay. return rate. So, so net sales is really what you're going to earn earn revenue off of. Okay. So, anyway, there's there's different nuances to uh, to the topics, but and the reason that I wanted to to bring this up because even in our in our business and in a lot of engineering houses, you know, the the engineers and the people that are that are doing the purchasing and things like that, they they all need to be on the same page. So my my message to to the folks that are listening is if you're in a in a department and you hear the conversation and it, it talks about bookings and revenue and things like that, get with someone that you trust and someone that, that knows what's what's the common you know common discussion uh, and topics and, and uh, language in your organization so that you're on the same page as to what is considered bookings, what's considered revenue and then you know the other the other titles that you might have for the the terms. So making sure that so, everyone's speaking the same language. Exactly, exactly. Because uh, in, in, if if you are in a meeting and you're reporting on something, and, and you want to make sure that you're reporting, you know your your margin, your gross margin. All right. So what, let, let me let me not jump around and go from what I look at the top of the income statement to the bottom. Okay. In these in these larger buckets. So you have you have your sales. And so th- those sales are the value of what it comes underneath it, the cost of goods. So that's all the material and the labor to put your, your product together that you're selling. The difference between your, your, your sales and your cost of goods is your margin, your gross margin. Okay. Okay. So that's that's your that's your gross margin, and I and I title it gross margin because out of out of gross margin comes the operating expenses, you know the the rent and any interest and things like that. So so um, a quick example, and this is an example that uh, you know you and I have talked about. You sell a product for ten dollars, just an easy number. Okay, ten dollars, and it, and it costs it costs you six dollars to make. Okay, so then your gross margin is that four dollars. Now this is just you know just a general overview for people to get you know on the same page. So your gross margin is that four dollars. Okay. So those are basically the three buckets. Those are the three buckets. So then um, were you saying a second ago though that out of that four dollars comes your operating expense? Yes, yeah. Okay. Out of the, that four dollars then you would have you would have, you know, rents and and uh, maybe outside services. Things that things that are not directly uh, co- a direct cost to that product that you're selling. So, so the, the the cost the cost that goes directly to the product is the raw material and any labeled labor to turn that raw material into a finished product. So then, after the operating expenses have been pulled out, is what's left is that your profit? Right, that would that would be the profit, and there's a ton of things that come out, you know, taxes and everything like that. But that's a lot a lot deeper into the financial statements. But but 
Yes, ultimately you would say that the net margin, so out of your gross margin comes all these other operating expenses, and whatever's left over is the net margin. Net margin, okay. Right, and that net margin, that net margin then is is the money that you accumulate and then do something with. You could pay bonuses at of that or or uh, reinvest it into the company. You know, I'm actually going to probably wind up going back and re-listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're in it now. Last I time. am in it now. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I explain things. I like I like to do it on paper. It's a lot easier to do it on paper. I guess that's the engineer in me. I sure, but it, I, draw it out. Draw it out. I think that the way you just described it is is. Is, is pretty clear in in its categories that you broke down. So you started at the very top, you know, with the, uh, um, you know, the sales, and you've got the, what you discussed after that, which was the cost of goods. The difference between those two is your gross margin. Out of gross margin comes operating expenses. What's left over is your net gross margin. Is that right? Net margin. Net margin. Or so net it's margin. No gross. Okay. It's net usually, margin. It's usually pretty darn thin. Yeah. <laughs> so net margin or profit, right? Yes. Okay. In in general. In so general, I'm getting my I'm getting my finance one oh one or my accounting one oh one here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more to it than that. Oh I'm sure. I I I know. But this is a good this is a very good overview. So so from one that other, picture, area, okay. One other area, though, that I want to I want to make sure is clear: the difference between revenue and those sales is is that the revenue the revenue is generated based on one of two ways: a a, a uh, complete a complete delivery of the product that you serve the customer with, right? You built so if, so that 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 product that we said costs or is sold for ten dollars. I don't get to earn that revenue until I deliver it. Okay, that's one way. That's completed contract where you actually earn the revenue, and that's where the the SEC and the financial people look to see how much you've actually earned, um, because because the, the earning is different than than your bookings, your bookings because people could cancel contracts along the way. And sure, so you can't count you can't count bookings as revenue. Bookings lead to revenue. Okay, and then the other way—the other way that that you earn revenue is is the uh, the milestone project project method of of uh, earning revenue. Which that's not the actual title for it, but it's if it's a big project and it takes a long time, the labor and material that you expend on a project, you can earn that. Percent of complete. That's the title that I was looking for. Percent complete. Yeah. Okay. The, the percent complete method of revenue recognition. So, so once you get, you know, you've spent twenty five percent of the expected cost of the job in both labor and material, then you earn twenty five percent of the total expected revenue. And I would assume that you're you're using that methodology when you're doing larger contracts that involve. Uh, a lot of money up front or in the middle or something like that. Yeah, usually, usually when it's a, a large amount of money and it goes over multiple periods, mm-hmm. a lot of this is is when you have a publicly traded company and you know you're reporting on a quarterly basis. You, you would be very you would be very lumpy if you waited for the completed contract method on on large jobs. You might have no revenue in one quarter and then. Your total year's revenue in the next quarter, right? So, so what what you 
agree with your accounting, your accounting team and the auditors is that, you know, for certain jobs, you, you understand and record revenue on that percent of complete because you're working these jobs throughout the year. Right. But, but on a completed contract, the revenue comes in in a lump sum. And so if you're, if you're working a big project over multiple periods, multiple quarters, then you don't want those big lump sums coming in, in, you know, one quarter or another, just because nobody can tell what the heck's going on because you're not telling the world, you're not telling the world, Hey, I've got this big, this big project and it's, you know, $10 million and we're going to ship it, you know, six quarters from now. No, you know, you, people don't like waiting that long <laughs> to, to understand how the, the progress of that job is going. Okay. So side question. Yes. Does, do the auditors, um, actually drive that as a requirement or is that something you just agree upon? Um, well, there are SEC, there's rules, there's rules that you have to follow. Okay. There's, there's rules that you have to follow and we don't want to get into, into rules. No. And uh-huh. then, and then the, and I bring in the auditors, the level at which you, you create the threshold for the percent of completion, completion okay. projects versus the completed contract projects like for example, if you have, you know, a spare parts business where you might be selling things for hundreds of dollars or maybe even thousands of dollars, in addition to a a product that you're selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, maybe maybe you know the five hundred thousand dollar job is a percent of completion measured job, and the you know spare parts of motors and fans and things like that that are only fifty thousand dollars are a completed contract. Completed contract. Okay. The job. And I shouldn't use spare parts because spare parts will always be, you know, when you're selling it, it's it's upon it's upon you know delivery or receipt that you get paid. So, but say you have a small project that includes engineering and quality assurance and everything like that, and it only lasts you know one month, then you might as well make it a completed contract project because you're not going to you know measure it week by week. Really, right? That would be a waste time. of time. So. So yeah, what what what's yeah what's the, the level of, of too much effort to get to the same the same number? And when it when it's within a quarter, you know you you, you typically don't break it up much more than that. Okay, gotcha. So then, um, so go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to say is uh, one of the things that I want to stress is you know the people that generate these these values for the buckets, I'll put it that way. So sales, of course, your sales team is out selling and they're, they're trying to get to an agreement with the customer and, and get an order. Right. That order then becomes, that order then becomes a booking. Okay. Okay. What happens then is when it goes to engineering. So now you're going to start executing, you're going to start executing. And now, and now depending upon what kind of organization you are, um, that engineering for the product could be, could be, Part of an overhead cost, or it could go to each each job. It all depends on on you know whether you're a, a, a like an engineering firm. Someone that does that for a living would tie hours of engineering to a job, and that would be a cost of goods sold to okay. a job. But in a in a company that is generating a product that is engineered, typically. See that as as an overhead cost. So that 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 would so engineering that would become an operating expense. So that line that line of where engineering falls is always one, or at least I've seen in many different organizations, is one where you have to determine 
well, where's the best place to put it? In with the product as a cost of goods sold or in operating expenses that comes out then of your of your gross margin. It all depends on where you account for it. Well, and I would I would assume that uh, there's probably advantages and disadvantages to both directions. I'm sure. Well, you know, it all comes out. At the, you know, it all comes out in the wash. Sure. It's it's a matter to me. Now you talked back about metrics, and, and uh, you were talking about your ERP system, right? Last week a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can tie if you can tie engineering to a specific job, then well, then you can track how intense certain jobs are versus other jobs when it comes to the engineering. If you if you take it as an operating expense. You pretty much broad brush engineering across all of your products or all of the projects that go out. Right. Okay. So if you have if you have say different market segments that that don't require the same level of engineering, well then it might be best it might be best to tie engineering to at least that market market segment somehow in your ERP system. Um, so that so that you can you, you can understand when you're bidding a project that the level of engineering if it takes three engineers to do that that project when it comes through 100 percent of the time for six months you want to know that cost going in but you don't want to burden you don't want to burden any portion of those engineers on a project that takes that takes half an engineer on a six month project because maybe you've got more standards you see this 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 and I love how everything does tie together. Yeah, yeah, it I does. I won't go off the rail right now, but, but uh, <laughs> I love how this ties together because if you can if you can spend one engineer or half an engineer on a six month project because you've developed standards and processes and tools, well, what are you doing? You are one saving money. Two, if it's only half an engineer for six months, can you do it any faster? You can turn more projects through that same time, right? You know, so so it all does tie. It all does tie together. In the system of quality throughout the whole process, and we'll, we'll, we'll broad brush the whole thing on, on a quality process. So, anyway, back to the topic in hand. Engineering is always a question. Ultimately, it is a it's a cost of doing business, whether it's a cost to the job, um, and in cost of goods sold, or or in uh, an overhead. Then, you know, that's something that that has to be determined with the organization. So are there other departments though that are like engineering that you need to have the same thought process and conversation about? What about purchasing? You know, what about uh, you know, if you have a quality department or if you have a document control department, you know, some of those well, do you have the same those, quandary there? Well, you know, not not necessarily I would say not necessarily only because those those areas would be would be an operating expense for the organization. Your purchase, your purchasing group, even if you have commodity purchasers, they're purchasing for many projects. They're purchasing right. for many projects, you know, at, at the same time. So, you know, that that's where economies of scale really do work, where, where if you can set up your purchasing, your quality control folks, um, you can, you can line them up in any equipment that they might need especially the quality people or the, or the field service people, you know, that those, those are, are leveraged across all of the bookings, the sales, the, the components and the products that you, that you sell. So those, those would most likely be an operating expense. Okay. As far as, far as my experience goes. But now 
how different is that then from a department such as IT or accounting? Same thing. Yeah, those are those are cross-functional groups that, that end up being taken out. They're, the cost of, of those people are taken out of the operating expense. Okay, gotcha. So moving from engineering then, I would assume that the next people in line that add to this bucket would be production? Yeah, purchasing and production. Okay. Right? So, yeah, again, again, trying to maximize your margin – Trying to maximize your margin, meaning meaning lower your cost of goods. You know you need to make sure that the engineering team and the purchasing team are in line and and in sync on what's being engineered and what's being purchased. You know some of the some of the wasted money that I that I've seen is is uh, either engineering something incorrectly the first time. Or the second time or the third time, you know, getting getting it right eventually. But the problem is, the problem is these projects are all on schedules, and purchasing is ta- they're taking suggestions, especially if you have an ERP system. Right, they're taking suggestions to buy. So, so a purchaser isn't necessarily sitting next to the engineer saying, "Hey, you got it right." What what the purchaser is doing is getting a a suggestion to go buy a part, and that person goes and buys a part. Now it's going to take some lead time to get in here. Well, when the engineer or, or if something changes up up front, you know now the purchaser now the purchasing agent has to do the best they can at changing that part without much cost impact to the project. Right. Right. So so making sure that that process from from engineering that you know the scope is correct and the design is correct so that that the purchasing can buy this the separate components. Um, Without being expedited, that's that's another that's another major um, headache that I see is people people forgetting to order something, right? Uh, and and the process failing such that you know a part could be forgotten, and now you're expediting it. So you're expediting it, and then the chances of, of expediting a component from a supplier increases the probability that. The part could then be wrong when you get it. You know, you 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 roll into that situation. More variables of hey, I need this thing. Sure, I'll I'll gladly pay you more, and you're paying more to get it faster. But but now you are knocking your supplier out of their normal process of either either picking a component or if they've got to do any kind of value add to that component prior to sending it to you. You know, hey, work twenty four hours a day on on that sub assembly for me. If that's what you're telling your supplier, and they, you know, they're going to put extra people on it and things like that. Well, you know what? You better check. You, you, now you're going to have the cost really of double checking that sub assembly before they send it to you because the chances of it having having an issue because it was rushed, I think, is higher than if you line your process up to run on. Here goes the air quotes automatic. <laughs> so, yeah. so looking at all these buckets and looking at these 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 major cost components or sales components, a lot of this and and correct me if I'm I'm, I'm wrong, but a lot of this seems like it's a shell game to some degree. Where <laughs> it's not a shell it seems it feels for a non financial person me, um, it, it feels as though. 
you're kind of making up uh, where money kind of goes and lands to make the process work to some degree by raising your your margins or lowering your margins so that your your um, operating expenses raise or low or lower or your or your cost of goods raise and lower. It just seems oh, like no, no. it feels it my feels shake off my shoulders. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. You don't artificially. I'm playing. I'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. That would be that would be devilish. Devilish about finances and and, and shell you know, games. And shell game, yeah. You know, I don't think you use the word manipulating, but boy, that's a bad word, manipulating. Um, no, let's let's take it from the top again. Okay. Your sales, your sales are at market value. Okay, but right? whoa, okay, wait a minute, stop right there. How do right. you know then what market value is? Market value is what the customer is willing, willing to, to pay, pay for your product. Okay, I, yes, yes, very nebulous, but okay. Well, and, and there's two ways of looking at that. Now, okay, so now we're back up, you know, at the beginning of the process. Okay. So you want to sell something to a customer, you have to build your, your pricing strategy. Your, your pricing strategy is one of at least two ways. I'll just talk about two of them here. Like I said, the willingness to pay. I've got a product, and I, and, and I think the customer will pay $100 for that product. Okay. It, it might only cost me... Ten dollars to make, okay, okay. Cost me ten dollars to make, so that means I have ninety dollars gross margin. Okay, but the customer, the customer's value in that is it's a hundred dollar piece. Okay, that's to me that's 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 the way you should you should be selling, and things that aren't commodities are typically sold that way. That that it is the willingness to pay, market value. And then you make it for whatever you make it for. Now you always want, to, of course, try to reduce your your cost of goods of what you make it for. Right. But so, you know, so because needless to say, the more margin you make, the more people you can hire, the more things you can do with that extra cash, grow and do whatever you need to do. All the good things. I'm, I'm sure people, you know, you could listen to this and say, oh yeah, you know, greedy, greedy businesses. You know, they make ninety percent margin and they pocket. <laughs> I would, you know, I would hope that's that's. Not the case, but I don't know. Maybe I'm an idealist or something. <laughs> so the other way—that's what I was trying to get you to say a little bit. But okay, go ahead, keep going. Yeah, the other way that the other way that um, your pricing strategy is cost plus. Okay. Okay. So so you know basically then you're you're going and you're not telling the customer this, but you're saying okay internally, folks, it's going to cost us. We'll go back to that. We'll go back to it's going to cost us seventy dollars to make this product. Will the customer pay? Will the customer pay a hundred dollars, or will he pay more? Now, if the customer only if the customer only wants to pay a hundred dollars and costs you seventy, well, now your margin is only thirty percent. Right. You have you have to determine whether you can you can live on thirty percent margin. Okay. And pay for all those other operating expenses. So, but can't but can't you uh, uh, raise and lower that percentage based on um, what your goals are? I mean, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, you're giving me a funny face, I know. I, I know, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> Customers will only pay what they're going to pay. Sure. Okay? Okay. You have to find the best way to make that product. And when I say the best way, meaning the most cost-effective way. Sure. So if that most cost-effective way allows you to have a margin that you can live on, 
because you've got these operating expenses and things like that, then then you sell that product. If you if you say that you want to make fifty percent margin, okay, and it costs you and it costs you a hundred dollars. See now, I'm, I'm getting all my uh, my examples. I want to stay with one one example. So say say it costs you fifty dollars to make. Okay, you want to make fifty percent margin. Okay, that means that you're going to sell you're going to sell the product for seventy five dollars. If the customer won't pay $75, well, then you're not going to make 50% margin. So you have to either lower your price or lower your margin. Well, they're one and the same if you can't lower your cost. Sure. Okay. Why do you say sure? Well, okay. So I said said if you you say that you have to make 50% margin. Okay. Right? That means that... That means that you have to you have to uh, take your cost and add fifty percent of that cost to your cost, right? Which puts you at seventy five. Seventy five, right? Okay. So if your customer will only pay sixty dollars for that product, you're never going to sell that product, right? You've got to lower your margin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you're lowering your price. And you're lowering your price. Right. And so that's why I say they're one and the same because. Because if fifty dollars is as much as it costs you to make, you got to find out a way to make it less in order, make it for less in order to generate a better margin or margin closer to what you want. Okay. Okay. I think that uh, you know I'm, I'm definitely I'm trying to play a little bit of devil's advocate here in that I'm coming from a different perspective uh, mm-hmm. in the fact that uh, uh, you know I, I see some of the, the processes that go on within an environment as to how that stuff is managed. And it seems to be managed very loosely, but the way you've explained it seems very simplistic and rigid, but I think there's more to it than that. And I think that that's probably some of the detail we'll wind up getting into uh, whenever we want to touch base on this topic again. Yeah, no, there's a lot more detail for sure. And it is, uh, it, there, there's, there's a method Behind the madness on, on all now, <laughs> I don't quite see it all, but I'm sure there yeah. is. <laughs> and you could get frustrated at some of the things that, that are that are happening. Yeah. But I think those are outside of the general rules of accounting and finance. Right. Okay. And, and anyway, the things that could be, you know, wasting money, you know, executives executives taking a private jet someplace, you know, yeah. that, that would be that would be a waste of money for the most part, I would say. <laughs> it's good to be king, right? I guess. I guess. So why don't we go ahead and uh, get into our picks here? And I think um, uh, I don't know if you came up with a pick or not, but I've got one. So the pick f- for me this week is a tool called Zoho Vault. And so what happened was um, I was uh, trying to figure out a way to manage passwords in a team-based scenario. So we've got a lot of customers that you know say, hey, we've got this portal, um, and you've got to log into this portal, and you need a password to get into this portal, because this is how we're going to have you submit drawings, and we're going to have you uh, receive your POs from us or your scope of work from us or anything like that. You've got to be able to log into this thing. Well, we've got, you know, John Smith over here and Robert Yehu over here and and both of them have each you know gathered up 
these different portals for dis- different customers that they have worked with over the years. And if one of them gets hit by the so-called beer truck, <laughs> mm-hmm. then we've lost that information. So we're now using a tool called Zoho Vault that allows us to put the passwords and the URLs and information about it all in a single location, and we can manage the security to that as to you know who should be a backup or a secondary person or a third person to uh, those passwords. So if you know one person is out and the customer says, "Hey, you've got some scope of work out on our portal. Go get it," and we're like going, "Oh, we can't. You know, there's no password, or we don't know the password. We don't have that excuse now. We've taken that away with this with this tool, and it seems to work." very well so uh we've we've been testing it the past few weeks and we've already got like four customers five customers loaded in there and and uh it's working very well so far so that's good zoho z-o-h-o okay yeah and zoho actually uh has quite a few other product offerings they uh offer a crm tool uh, they offer, you know, kind of a whole f- suite of tools, and you can, they're cloud-based. You can purchase them individually or as a whole suite, but this Vault tool is is very reasonable. They have a free version that you can use yourself, and if you use the team version, it costs you basically a dollar a month per person. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah pretty, good. yeah, pretty cheap for doing something like that, so, yeah. Um, so I didn't know if you had a pick or not. Are you I don't have a pick, but I'll tell you, I was I was traveling uh, in Chicago all week. Yes. Since Saturday. And, you went to uh, a show, didn't you? Yeah, it's a uh, American Petroleum Institute. It's a standards meeting, so yeah. it's very exciting. Yeah, really yeah. exciting. Uh, actually, it was good, but I'll tell you, the city of Chicago is uh, is I love nice sh- and clean. I love Chicago's Chicago. Awesome. The architecture, mm-hmm. people were all nice. I'll tell you, I, I would, I would recommend a, a trip to Chicago if you can do it. Because, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't live great. there because of the weather, but I do like visiting. Oh, uh, it's great! It was, yeah. it was great. This uh, this past week was awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that this was a uh, you know kind of a good overview on an area that I'm learning about and you have great knowledge on, and and uh, it was a lot of fun. This one, this one was a lot of fun. So I hope that our uh, Listeners uh, also get some enjoyment out of this. And like we said, we'll get into some more detail later. We do appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit Sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week. Mm